Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Luke chapter 22, verse 7 through 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparation for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. Thank you today, and I praise the Lord for opportunity to share the good news about Jesus with you today. Our thoughts will center around the uh, Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist, whatever your particular tradition or thoughts might uh, uh, call this uh, ceremony, I guess you could call it, tradition that we have uh, each first Sunday of the month. Uh, Pastor Dan read from Luke chapter 22, the institution of the Lord's Supper, how Jesus started that Lord's Supper uh, shortly before he was betrayed and then uh, was crucified. It was quite a dramatic time in the life of the disciples. Uh, They had... uh, just uh, recently gone through the uh, triumph of the uh, entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. All the crowds shouted that Jesus was uh, basically the Messiah, the King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the disciples had in their mind great hopefulness about what the future might be. What is it that God might do for us? Uh, What changes might occur in the relatively near future that will change the direction of the world. And so they came into the Lord's Supper, this, uh, what the Jewish people were celebrating as Passover. That's what Jesus and his disciples would have called that evening meal together, Passover. They came into this Passover observant with this uh, terrific hopefulness in their minds and in their hearts. Well, that uh, came crashing to a halt when Jesus started to talk about his death. And Jesus said, this is my body broken. And Jesus said, this is my blood shed. So all of a sudden they went from this uh, 
wonderful hopefulness about what the future might hold into this crashing reality that Jesus said he's going to die. And how could they reconcile that with everything they'd been taught earlier by Jesus and what they had thought about in reference to the Old Testament and the predictions of the Messiah who would come and set up a rule and reign of God on earth? So how did these disciples deal with this drastic change in their life? I think we can see that they first started out by, uh, even before the Passover meal, they were prepared. Uh, Jesus sent two of them into town to prepare the upper room where they would have prepared the traditional kinds of Passover uh, uh, elements, I guess you would call them. There were the, the bitter herbs, uh, the bitter herbs uh, signifying the bitterness of slavery that the Jewish people had suffered in Egypt. And then another one of the bitter herbs reminded the people of the tears that were shed during that slavery time because they would dip the bitter herb in salt water and then the salt water would remind them of the tears they had. And then there was a, a sweet mixture of stuff, kind of like a paste made out of cinnamon and apples and, and, not, and nuts, red wine and so on. And that was to remind them of the mortar the cement, so to speak, that uh, they used in Egypt when they built the great uh, buildings for the Egyptian pharaoh and the hard work that went into their slavery time in Egypt. And then there was a, uh, a sprig of parsley or some kind of uh, vegetable, and that would remind them of the hopefulness of spring because it was in the springtime of the year and the renewal of life that comes with spring. And then there was a hard-boiled egg. The hard-boiled egg was a reminder to the people who observed Passover about life, life uh, symbolized in the egg and the hopefulness of the future, the hopefulness that uh, the uh, city of Jerusalem would be rebuilt and the magnificence of uh, Solomon's temple would be restored and the nation of Israel would have a new place in the world in which they live. And so they came prepared with those um, thoughts in mind um, and with those preparations at the table, but they also needed to come prepared in their hearts and in their minds about what Jesus was trying to do. Uh, that's the way we come before the Lord's Supper. We come prepared to examine ourselves and to ask the Lord, what is there in my life that I need to be thinking about changing with your help? What is the Holy Spirit inspiring me to do in my further maturity as a Christian. And so Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He says, A person ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under God's judgment. When we, when we are judged by God, we are being judged and disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So Paul and Jesus as well, uh, through this passage, is asking us to examine ourselves and be prepared not only just with the physical elements of the bread and the cup, but be prepared in our hearts, uh, having a clear conscience before the Lord, our sins having been confessed, as we come before the Lord at this time. And then there's uh, presuppositions that went into this whole idea of the 
uh, Lord's Supper and Passover that it started from. And the presuppositions uh, were what Jesus had in mind when he says in verse 15 that he desired to eat this Passover with his disciples before he suffered. And when you think about that, you wonder why in the world would he desire to eat something knowing that the very next day he's going to die. That's what he's predicting. Well, Jesus knew that as the only God and man, uh, holy God and holy man, uh, he was the only one who was qualified, who was able uh, to celebrate uh, what these symbols, the bread and the cup, would mean for people who would accept the gospel uh, that he would have his disciples proclaim. Jesus knew he was the only one qualified to complete God's plan, this plan that uh, the scripture tells us was in place from the foundation of the world. Even before the world was created, God had a plan for our redemption, our salvation. The Bible teaches us that God, in the person of Jesus, was the only one who had the capacity to carry the sins of the world upon his uh, body. Now, Jesus, being God, was infinite, and so he could carry what would seem like an infinite number of sins upon his body to the cross. And it also tells us uh, through his blood that uh, redemption would be made for our sins. We know that our physical life depends on, on the blood that's flowing through our veins at any moment. And if that blood uh, becomes disabled for one reason or another, we suffer and perhaps may even die. Jesus says our eternal life, our eternal spiritual life, depends on the blood that he would shed on the cross for our sins. And the fact was that Jesus was the only one, his was the only blood that was perfect. He did not sin. He had a perfect life, and so he didn't have to pay for his own sin on the cross. Uh, he only had to pay for the sins of the world. And then there was uh, the participation of the Lord's Supper when we come to the Lord's Supper, we just don't think about it or prepare for it, uh, but we also actually participate in it. As the disciples ate this Passover meal, uh, they were thinking about what it meant to the Jewish people having escaped from slavery in Egypt into the Promised Land. But at the end of Passover, Jesus uh, took a cup and he changed the traditions and changed the symbols that were before the disciples and uh, gave them new meaning. He took a cup of wine. The wine had symbolized in the Passover tradition uh, the rain, the coming rain of God, God's kingdom being established on earth. And he took that cup and said, now it would be the symbol of his blood that would be shed on the cross. Quite a dramatic difference in the name or in the meaning of, uh, of that cup. The Messiah would not be the conquering king that uh, rode into Jerusalem the previous uh, Sunday with all the crowds uh, sh shouting and yelling their, uh, their approval of him, but rather uh, instead the Messiah would be the suffering servant uh, that Isaiah the prophet had prophesied would come. In Isaiah chapter 53, uh, it says, uh, Surely he took up our infirmities, and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes or wounds we are healed. 
We are all like sheep that have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that is on Jesus, the sins of us all. The usual thoughts about the Passover were changing. Then Jesus took the bread, the usual unleavened bread that they would have had at the uh, Passover meal, and instead of it symbolizing their quick escape from Egypt, they didn't even have time to let the bread raise and be baked in the ovens, uh, the unleavened bread would now be the symbol of Jesus' broken body on that same cross where his blood would be shed. And so our participation in the Lord's Supper should encourage us to put aside some other thoughts that we might have, some other preconceived notions about what God should be doing and being in our life and in our world, and focus instead our thoughts upon what Jesus has already done in his broken body and his shed blood for us. That the forgiveness of our sins was made possible uh, by Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And then Jesus took that bread and cup and it says he gave thanks. He, he prayed for his disciples and for himself. Prayer uh, was centered on thanksgiving at this particular point. And we too, as we come to the Lord's table, as we come to communion, we should be focusing on thanksgiving, thanking God that he made available this gift of forgiveness and eternal life, generally, but then also specifically that you and I were at a place in our life, uh, physically and spiritually, emotionally, that we were able to accept what Jesus had done for us. And then thanksgiving for those people who, uh, brought us the good news about Jesus, that Sunday school teacher or mother or father or brother or sister, uh, pastor, friend, neighbor, whoever it was that first told us about Jesus that encouraged us to accept Jesus' uh, broken body and his shed blood. So we're thankful for those evangelists that brought the good news to us. Thanksgiving for the uh, gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And the last Jesus thing Jesus did there before he uh, gave the cup and the bread to his disciples was he predicted that two things would happen. He predicted that the next day he would die on that cross, as he had been telling them. Quite a change from what the disciples thought, again, uh, imagining that Jesus was going to be riding into Jerusalem as the, the king of the new Jerusalem and the new nation of Israel. Now he was going to be taken out of Jerusalem, carrying his cross and nailed to that cross uh, on uh, the next day. Predicting that was uh, rather quickly fulfilled the next day when the disciples witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. But Jesus also predicted something much uh, better, <laughs> um, something that would be something for us to rejoice about, and that is that he predicted that he would come again. And when he came again, that he would gather his disciples and that they would have another celebration. This celebration not being a celebration of broken body and shed blood, but this celebration, the celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb, as the, uh, the uh, New Testament predictions uh, tell us, uh, that Jesus someday will celebrate with his disciples in a new kingdom, a kingdom built upon a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, where God will dwell with his people for an eternity because they have accepted his broken body. They've accepted his shed blood. They've accepted what that means for them. Now, in case you think that you need to understand all of this before you come to the Lord's table, let me put that notion aside. 
no one understands completely all of what Jesus did. Uh, we have for us the symbol of the broken body and the shed blood, and that's the reason why Jesus gave us this institution of the Lord's Supper. So even though we can't comprehend the theology behind it, we don't understand how in the world it could all happen. God become flesh and die on a cross and be resurrected the third day and promise a new heaven and a new earth. It just seems beyond our comprehension exactly. But we can accept it by faith, can't we? We accept by faith what Jesus has done for us. We pray to Jesus and say, forgive me of my sin if there's some sin standing in the way of my participation in the Lord's Supper. Or forgive me of the sinfulness of my life if I have not yet asked Jesus into my heart and ask the question, have I accepted his gift of grace in the forgiveness that is here symbolized before us in the bread and in the cup? Have I accepted his gift of grace in the offer of eternal life through his love on the cross? You can make that decision today, even as we prepare, as we uh, gather here around the Lord's table, and as we sing our hymn of preparation, as the deacons come and, uh, and prepare for us to serve the Lord's Supper, you can, right now, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Jesus to forgive you of any sin that is keeping you from his uh, blessed presence. Shall we pray? Lord, we're thankful today that we can come before you and that as this table is prepared here for us, the bread and the cups symbolizing what Jesus has done for us, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to grasp just a bit of that understanding and have the faith that we need to trust that, yes, indeed, this was for me and to accept it into our hearts and our lives so that we might be new creatures in Christ Jesus, our Lord in whose name we pray, amen.